Xtalks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This food industry-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to help keep you up to date. This week on the show, we are discussing Fiji water bottles, now made from 100% recycled plastic, and cell-based chocolate, the next big food trend. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the X-Talks Food Podcast. I'm Sydney Perlmutter, Senior Food Industry Journalist and Webinar Moderator at xtalks.com, and this week I'm joined by Aisha Rashid and Vera Kovacevic. Thanks for coming today. So I'm going to start us off with a story about Fiji Water. So I'm sure you've heard of this company, uh, Fiji Water. Um, a few of their water bottles, which feature a very iconic square shape and pretty vibrant branding, are now going to be made from 100% recycled plastic and will also be fully recyclable. So Fiji Water rolled out the 100% recycled polyethylene terephthalate bottles, or ARPET, this year that replaced its virgin ARPET 500 milliliter and 330 milliliter bottles throughout the U.S. So Clarence Chia, who's the Senior Vice President of Marketing at Fiji Water, said in a press release, In our transition to recycled plastic, our intention is to make a truly meaningful and lasting environmental impact. We are using recycled plastic to breathe new life into existing materials while maintaining Fiji water's same great taste, look, and quality that consumers come to accept to expect from Earth's finest water. So while speaking at the launch of the brand's recycled bottles in Yakara, Fiji in April, the Minister of Economy said that this initiative directly supports the Fijian government's commitment to modernizing its economy through sustainable measures. And he added that it contributes to Fiji's overall commitment to reducing its carbon footprint and building climate resilience. And this is all fine and good. And um, but I knew that something uh, was a little fishy about um, Fiji water in the past, and I was I was kind of right. So prior to the this broader sustainability packaging movement, tensions were high between Fiji water and the country from which it gets its name. So in 2010, the company's economic power was such that it threatened to close its factory. Um, and HuffPost reported that rather than allowing the government to increase the tax on its bottled waters from a third of a Fiji cent to 15 Fiji cents, it made this daunting threat. Uh, but now Fiji Water is committing to continue shifting its entire portfolio of, uh, of all of its bottle sizes to our pet by 2025. But still, the water business in Fiji has brought some dissent. So while the export of mineral water added more than $100 million to the country's economy, Fast Company pointed out that there's a big tension of a modern factory churning out bottles of water in a country where a lot of its citizens don't have access to drinking water. And not to mention the brand is owned by a California couple who purchased the enterprise back in 2004. But despite these tensions, Fiji Water maintains a stronghold in the American market compared to other bottled water brands, netting $150 million in annual sales out of an industry worth $15 billion. So it is sourced from the island of Viti Levu in Fiji's Yakara Valley, and the water is labeled artisan, which means that it comes from an underground chamber of rock known as an aquifer, which is essentially a natural filter. 
But thanks to effective marketing and claims that bottled water is healthier, cleaner, and fresher than tap water, brands like Fiji Water continue to be sold and command a pretty hefty price tag. And I was looking, you know, I was trying to, I've never bought Fiji Water before, but I was looking and compared to um, other water bottle brands like Poland Spring, which is another big water bottle brand in the US. It's around twice the price for a pack of six. So I think it's around $6 or $7. Um, and the typical six pack is about $3. So in spite of the objectification of bottling and selling water, Fiji Water said that it has many initiatives to address sustainability and is committed to finding solutions, starting with these fully recycled water bottles. So I was just wondering, um, do you think that in this age of sustainability, like water bottles are ever going to be a thing of the past? Or do you think with brands like Fiji Water that have such effective marketing and now they're getting into a bit of, you know, sustainability um, with these recycled bottles, do you think they're not going anywhere anytime soon? Well, I think like first it may become encouraged or even perhaps, um, I don't want to say mandatory, but encouraged very much to make um, plastic water bottles like out of fully recyclable material, like what Fiji is doing. So I think that may be the first step. I don't really see water bottles like um, going away anytime soon. Um, what do you think, Aisha? Yeah, I'm just, I'm thinking the same, and I, I'm i not sure what the market did. Um, well, Fiji in itself, you mentioned, Sydney, that it's, uh, it nets $150 million a year. And is this the water bottled industry that you said is worth $15 billion? Mm -hmm. That's right. Okay. Wow. So, wow, that is still huge. So, given that, um, I think there's still definite like value and there's definite demand for, there's definitely a market for plastic water bottles. And I think Fiji's doing like, you know, the inevitable in terms of where it should be heading in terms of um, sustainable, recyclable plastics. So I think, yeah, like given that number, I don't think plastic water bottles are going anywhere. Although, you know, there's such a huge push nowadays for eliminating plastic in so many realms and spheres like you know you go to the grocery store and they're phasing out plastic bags and things like that so i i would think my first inclination or thought was like okay well you know plastic bottles would be next to go right and become obsolete but you know the portability of them and just the convenience i think it's unmatched so i think you know I, they can't be completely eliminated. And so what Fiji is doing is definitely the best solution in this uh, scenario. So, um, yeah. And I think people like, you know, if you go out also like, you know, if you go to events or if you're, um, out shopping and also different types of flavored water, uh, flavored waters, they come, you know, in plastic packaging. So I don't think we can completely get away from that is my short answer to what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, no, when you were talking, I was just realizing like water isn't the only thing, obviously, that mm -hmm. is packaged up in plastic. And But mm -hmm. I feel like it gets such a strong focus because a lot of us don't see the need for bottled water. And yeah. I, you know, I'm a big, 
I bring my my water bottle with me everywhere. I'm Same. completely fine with tap water. I don't think the claim that uh, bottled water is healthier than tap water than tap water is is true. Um, mm. Especially if you have a filter and you want to you know filter it out, you can do that as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's I I think it's just the fact that we we may not need bottled water, um, mm-hmm. but you're, you're so right. Like at events and things like that, where they don't allow you to bring in water mm-hmm. bottles um, for that reason alone, I feel like they're not really going anywhere. And then also, um, you know, in, in, in places where there is not access to clean tap water, then I feel like bottled water is also necessary as well. But I think Fiji has specifically has really like nailed the branding and convincing people that mm-hmm. it's it's top tier water. It's better than any other water. And I've never tried it, so I can't confirm. Nearby, but actually. they've made me believe that it might be better. <laughs> Are you, you know, kind of uh, wanting to try it now? Maybe, <laughs> maybe if it's if it's in front of me and someone, and you if know, it's in the new sustainable recyclable. That's right. Packaging. That's right. Sorry. That's right. Because I, I mean, yeah. There's there's only so much we can do as individuals in terms of you know our our carbon footprint. And for me, I feel like not buying water bottles is, is like one of those things. And you can mm-hmm. recycle and and whatever, but you're still you know. So maybe. Maybe. The answer is maybe. I might. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But even like the source of this water, like I can't, com- I can't believe that it's been transported from a small island in mm-hmm. the South Pacific. You know what I mean? Like that's just blows my mind. Like I thought, no, this water can't really be from the Fiji Islands. Oh, yeah. But yeah. it is. And it I, is. I didn't that. realize that either. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe, why it's expensive. Maybe. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. There's definitely like a markup on it, no doubt, but Mm -hmm. you're right. There was a lot of transportation in the process. And that's another thing I was thinking about with, you know, their sustainability. It's not just like in the packaging, but it's in the entire production cycle as well. So um, I think they also had plans, um, if I'm not mistaken, to look into um, not just sustainable packaging, but like looking to replace its reliability on fossil fuels um, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, transportation as well um, and production. But yeah, there's there's a lot that goes into, I guess, shipping it from there to here. Um, and they are not lying about, yeah, the, the name. Yeah, not at yeah. all. Like, I, it's not just a name. There's uh, a whole country behind it. Mm-hmm. And, and the point that you also brought up in your piece, um, Sydney, about you know, how, like, a lot of people in the country um, don't have access to clean water. And here you are, you have this country exporting out water uh, to other places. So that also puts things into kind of perspective as well, an important perspective to consider. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, um, yeah, just a sad reality. But that should also... Um, be part of, I think, Fiji's focus going forward, how to address that. Mm -hmm. I think they are in such a position of power, Mm -hmm. um, you know, bringing so many millions of dollars to the country that Mm -hmm. that's what they're contributing. So I feel like, well... I, I that's I feel like they think that that's all they need to do, you know? It's a private business, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like it's, uh, you know, those funds are accessible to, mm-hmm. you know, through the government or, you know, reach the people, so. It feels mm-hmm. a little bit like oil to me in a oh, way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like oil countries, how much power, you know, like 
they have, but then the companies that sell the oil ultimately have 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 the power to Reap like the uh, benefits. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Well, moving on to something I would definitely try in the future um, once it has been um, more established and on the market. Um, and I'm talking about cell-based chocolate. So it's time for meat and seafood to move over because chocolate might be the next big trend in the cell-based space. So cell-based chocolate is um, made in a similar way that cultured meat and seafood is by growing cells, but the outcome obviously is very, very different. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about what it is and some of the major players that are in this burgeoning space. So First of all, in order to make cell-based chocolate, cells have to be sampled through varieties that are selected for their taste, smell, melt, and performance. Typically, cell cultures are extracted from cocoa beans to produce polyphenols, which are the compound that is found in rich dark chocolate and that are heart healthy. So once the surface of the cocoa is cleaned, a part of the bean is incubated uh, at a certain temperature, I think it was around 29 degrees, uh, Celsius in a completely dark environment. And after several weeks, a bump forms on the, on the bean's surface, which is put into a suspension culture. So while it's in this bioreactor uh, tank, the cocoa cells ferment and achieve a rich flavor, which can be roasted to create even more flavor. Once fermented, the cell culture, the cell cultured cocoa nibs are ready to be turned into a variety of cell-based chocolate products. But who came up with this idea for cell-based chocolate? Researchers based in the world's chocolate hub, Switzerland, claim to be the first to have developed lab-grown chocolate. Scientists at Zurich University of Applied Sciences developed cell-based chocolate back in July of 2021 to see what the future of food out of tanks might look like. So the scientists also wanted to leave a lighter environmental footprint when they make the product. Perhaps the most well-known company in the cell-based chocolate space right now is called California Cultured, which has received $4 million in funding since it was founded in 2020. And it uses novel plant stem cells grown in low-cost food-grade plant cell media. So its, prop its proprietary process results in a chocolate that, ha that highlights the best flavors and functional compounds of chocolate and reduces the need for more added sugar. Another company that's in the space is a Finnish food industry giant called Phaser, um, and it partnered with the VTT Technical Research Center in Finland uh, uh, to make this chocolate. So while the bulk of Phaser's cocoa currently comes from sustainably managed sources in Ecuador and West Africa, the company said that it's going to continue to promote the development of cell-based chocolate across its home markets. So, you know, everyone wants to satisfy their sweet tooth with, with chocolate, but traditional chocolate production isn't so sweet. Around 70% of the world's cocoa is grown in West Africa, and the fast-rising demand for chocolate means that farmers are clearing tropical land to plant new cocoa trees. And on the Ivory Coast, as much as 70% of the country's illegal forest clearing is linked to cocoa planting. And now, in addition to deforestation, there are also human rights issues as well. Child labor is rampant in chocolate production, with as many as 2 million children working each year in dangerous conditions in Ghana and the Ivory Coast. So even though certifications like fair trade exist, it can be difficult for consumers to figure out whether chocolate is ethically sourced. And the demand for less environmentally intensive chocolate continues to fuel the development of new ingredients produced from alternative sources like rice and even microflora-based dairy proteins. 
So cell-based chocolate further extends the industry's capacity to completely eradicate critical humanitarian and climate issues linked to ingredient farming like child labor and deforestation. So what are your thoughts on cell-based chocolate? Um, are you surprised to see that, you know, it's not just meat and dairy? Well, I guess this is kind of dairy, although not quite because it's, it's, it might turn into something dairy later. But yeah, are you surprised to see that, you know, it's more than just meat and seafood that are entering this cell-based space? And can you see a day where, you know, we don't have to farm for cocoa anymore? This is crazy because it makes total sense, but it's so unexpected at the same time. Like, um, yeah, like, you know, I would not think it's just, you know, meat and dairy anymore that's relegated to, you know, be subjected to novel new food tech techniques to be grown in labs and things like that. Like you can grow other crops, you know, tomatoes or maybe fruits. I've thought about that kind of stuff, but yeah chocolate and the cocoa bean I haven't thought of that at all I'm not sure why but it just comes as a surprise because you don't really um think that that could be something you would associate with uh, something grown in the lab per se but I think this is so cool again like the amazing food tech stories you find Sydney because you're so awesome and um yeah like I would definitely love to try like a lab grown chocolate bar or you know uh a hot chocolate or something but um i think it's it's genius it's the way we're kind of heading but i don't know like to what scale um these things can be produced in the lab i'm just a bit skeptical about that but i mean you know like the environmental component definitely that it you know that it seeks to address in terms of um, having an alternative where that's much more environmentally friendly and sustainable. I think that's a huge component of this. Um, of course, you know, at the end of the day, it all comes down and comes back to taste. So it's to be seen whether, you know, these, uh, the cell-based chocolate concoction can emulate and replicate the taste of a cocoa bean um, grown you know, outside in nature, because there will be differences. But um, let's see if scientists and food tech entrepreneurs can you know, um, emulate the taste and, and flavor. Because I think for people, like, yes, environmental sustainability, and also the human rights component that you brought up, that's so hugely important. But I think in our day-to-day -day lives, I think it gets glossed over, unfortunately. So um, all of that, like for me to make better decisions, those components definitely come into play. But taste is is king here as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, I think we're, we're also seeing the same thing for coffee beans as I well. I was just thinking the same. I was going to ask, yeah, like coffee, is that something that's also being... Uh, yeah, I, I remember... Um, our former colleague Mira had written a story about lab-grown coffee as well. And I think it was a really similar process where you, um, you know, like similar, like I don't think they are similarly, maybe they are actually more similar than I'm thinking they are, like coffee beans and cocoa beans. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a pretty similar process in terms of, of, of like producing the beans. Um, and, and it's similar in that coffee bean 
um, you know, sourcing is problematic as well. And it has been for a really long time. Um, But yeah, I don't think we are quite there in terms of it being fully commercialized at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that'll take a few more years. But I think where chocolate and coffee have an advantage is that I don't think consumers are as like potentially creeped out or weirded out as they Mm -hmm. might be with Mm -hmm. meat and seafood being grown in a lab. Um, But I don't know. Tell me what you guys think about that because I wouldn't be as weirded out. Interesting. Well, I think like, um, you know, people understand how you may grow coffee beans or or coca beans in a lab, right? It's a plant. But meat, like it just confuses a lot of people. Like, how do you grow meat in a lab? Like you need an, most people think, you know, you need an animal. (laughs) Like what is going on here? Um, And I think with plants, it may be easy, um, you know, to verify like the safety and like quality control going on there because it is a plant. I mean, it's probably easier. People have been trying to cultivate and grow plants for thousands of years. So to do it in a lab, it may be more simple. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not sure what people think about the lab-based meat. I think that's a whole other story. But I do think with the lab-based chocolate or the cell-based chocolate that you were describing, yeah, I think for now the researchers are just trying to, you know, experiment, try different flavors of the chocolate. I don't think their goal is to replace, like, conventional mm-hmm. agriculture. Um, nor do I think that we can replace conventional agriculture for chocolate, given, like, how much chocolate is used in products, um, like baked goods and ice cream, etc. Like, I don't know if we would have the facilities ever to replace like conventional agriculture with chocolate. What do you guys think? And plus they have to source the like cells from somewhere, right? They, 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 like in this case, they um, sample them through cocoa beans themselves. So there has to be enough cocoa beans to, to extract cells from in order to make this anyway. So obviously we're never going to stop growing cocoa. So that's, yeah. And I totally agree with you. It's always a, it's always a balancing act. I think maybe this might be a bigger hit um, in countries. I mean, I was saying like 70% of the world's uh, cocoa beans are sourced from West Africa. And this might be a bigger thing in you know, in other continents where they, they, they don't have to travel as far um, and the production isn't as easy. So I think mm-hmm. that might be what we would see. Yeah, also like no pesticides are used. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no obvious, of course, like no child labor went into that. Um, Those would be smart children if they yeah. did. Oh, it work in the lab. <laughs> I was like, what? Really you can have crazy. lab slaves, you know, yeah. lab rats. <laughs> as we all, AKA, like, we all once were students. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like to your question about how accepting people might or might not be of cell-based or lab-grown chocolate, I think they're... Um, would still be some because, you know, if you remember the whole, you know, GMOs, right? Like GMO tomatoes were such a thing, Monsanto and all of that. So I think people are still skeptical about anything that is engineered. Um, You know, you take something from nature and engineer it. So this is essentially what you're 
kind of doing. Um, I, I mean, I don't know how many modifications or if they're going to do any modifications to the cells and things like that in the production of chocolate here. I don't know. I don't know what their plans could be, but um, I think, yeah, people would maybe take a step back and kind of, you know, think it through. I don't think it's going to be, oh, hey, yeah, this is grown in the lab. Yeah, let me go, you know, go, go get some. Um, I think it will still be met with some hesitancy, in my opinion. But yeah, probably not as much as, let's say, lab-grown meat or dairy. But still, I think there, there is that notion of, oh, is this like a super mutant thing? Or, you know, what is this? Thing associated with anything engineered in the lab. Mm -hmm. I, when you were talking about that, I just, and this isn't food, but I was just thinking of like lab-grown diamonds. Um, oh, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think we, so as, as consumers and of people who, you know, either need to eat or buy a ring, um, <laughs> we gravitate towards like what's Natural. from nature yeah exactly yeah. like nature and and when you're like a oh, lab grown blank lab it's like i want the real thing <laughs> that's right that's right. right and and we don't see these lab grown things as real even though they are derived mm -hmm. from well, i'm not sure about lab grown diamonds but uh with food they're they're derived from the real thing from exactly yeah they're so sourced from like the natural mm -hmm. source <laughs> But diamonds, obviously, it's a little more superficial, and I don't know about that process, but just goes to show how big, like, lab-grown is already and probably will become in the future. All right, well, that's the end of this episode of the X-Talks Food Podcast. If you like today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, everyone, and see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the X-Talks Food Industry Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find Xtalks on social media, email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalk.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Bye.